The Comedy Store would like you to know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are strictly those of the speakers or authors and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions held by the Comedy Store and its affiliates. Okay, so this is the Comedy Store podcast, and yeah. all we do is talk Comedy Store, your, your stories here, your history here. And I am Eleanor Kerrigan, and that is Rick Ingram. I'm Rick Ingram. Hi, my name is Marilyn Ricecub. Marilyn Ricecub. Such an easy Sorry. name to pronounce once you know how to pronounce once it. Once you know. So confusing. Once you unlock though. the secret yeah. to the garden and open it up, you can come right in. I, no. I was always curious, I like and I'm like, I don't know how to say that. And then Were you I, saw you, I saw you <laughs> tweeting someone the pronunciation. I'm like... I had a thing uh, Wait, where you, you have a phonetic way. Of I do. It's okay. a little um, rice and a cub emoji. The only reason why I have that is because I was touring a couple of years ago. It was when I started doing that hardcore. And uh, I worked with a woman, you know, when you're like, I'm really going to do social networking right. And she was great. But she came up with that. I mean, it didn't really. It didn't pick up like you were hoping. <laughs> I did not sell thousands of tickets. <laughs> I would. I I sold tickets when. But rice and cubs are so cute. Yeah, they're it's so cute. so cute. Like I usually it's put so a cute. cub and rice together. Right. It was an adorable so way to say my name. Say my name. <laughs> say, say my, my name, name. Say my name. Okay. It's the headphones that make you <laughs> want to singing. That makes me want to sing more because he, he hates it so much. I listen. Singing brings people joy, and I'm against that in principle. Come on, alone. you so are not. In this holiday Just season, like, all like you want to do is make people laugh. You live for that, like, right? And he I does. Do. That's the sweet irony of my life. And you do too. You make everybody laugh with your rice and your cubs. Yeah. It's amazing. No, you are fantastic. When did you start doing stand up? Someone who was I talking to? It wasn't Adam. Um, reminded me that I ran a room in the belly room in the 90s. I feel like that's where I met you first. Is it, could with that be Duncan true? Trussell. Well, he worked here. I know. I was dating him. I'm but sorry I, didn't about that. I didn't perform here at the time because I had sort of um, I was a product of the alternative scene. So coming to the belly room to now do you, you, those are more trigger words for Rick. So you got to be careful. Let's get into it. <laughs> into it. Damn it. I want to get into She's it. She's going to destroy me. Get into alternative. Um, First of all, hold on. You Let's dated Duncan Trussell? No? Oh, yeah. I, there's so much to unpack here. There's yeah. so much to unpack. <laughs> okay. By the yeah. way, I completely admire you and think you're a rock star. By the way, she's looking at Rick. When she said, <laughs> "I feel you, like you, know, you have bonded. <laughs> you, you're a total rock star." I was making you. sure but he and I have never really eye. talked. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, like yeah, communally, we've been in the same, same group conversation. And you, and you realize that I directed that to him after you said the trigger of alternative comedy. Because <laughs> yeah. then I thought, I jumped ahead and I thought, he Got thinks it. that I think I'm all that, which I am, let's uh, be honest. Uh, Proud clearly, of you But then I no wanted to give there. him some props. Thank yes. you. Oh, I'm glad then. I, you guys I, this never one, talk. you know, I'll sit and wait and watch your sets because I... Like you want to know what not to do, what to do, handling the audience, <laughs> manhandling That's the audience. That's this one. He sexually Man. assaults you. all night long. I'm the yeah. Harvey Weinstein of comedy, <laughs> strictly in the way I make Only the audience feel. Yeah, it's amazing. They anyway. everyone leaves a victim in a Rick Ingram show. The, yeah. most, the way you wouldn't make eye contact with me, and the way you keep five feet between you and other people at all times, always. Is, so that's yeah. so it's conscious aggressive. of you. Yeah. Oh. It's it's who I am. I I'm just trying that. to be a successful Hollywood man. Okay. And How's that going? Uh, uh one, I am 
really terrible with all of my uh, sexual aggression. Okay. And so no one even knows I exist, really. Oh, okay. But I'm working on it, you know? I'm going to so try and get you creepy. you got to get it out there. It's more of the unpacking. I'm like, going to get creepy. When we unpack Marilyn, then we'll unpack. Okay. Can you imagine in this day and age, you've got to be more sexually aggressive? <laughs> you know, starting in 218, that's going to be your yeah. resolution. Like, he's, a, he's no, not you know being what? noticed enough. Oh, it's so hard, you know? We all have our own path. People <laughs> don't respect me for my lack of respectability, and I need to get there. Like Kevin Christie said, he's like, you know, we're sexual cowards. What can we do? Oh, right, right. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a great way to put that's it. That's where I am. Or queer. Never. Now, well, um, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait one goddamn minute. So did you run a room in the 90s? Or you don't remember? But I, I just know it was the late 90s. No, I did, met. but it's confusing yeah. because it was alt and we really didn't. I'm not saying we didn't belong here because really the comedy oh, store. Oh, we are. Was very, <laughs> but it was very different at that time. It wasn't. It was before. Yeah. Um, no one was really going in it the was belly our, room. It there was weren't really any years. shows yeah. in there. We no one was going a, to any room. We called it our dead years. Yeah. yeah but yeah. especially the belly room. And so they yeah. were kind of sure. like giving it away. We did an alternative room at the, you know, that coffee. Sh it's not a coffee shop. It was like a club. It used to be the. Uh, it's across the street on Sunset. I don't remember any of the names of it, but we we were we ran uh, a friend of mine. We did that oh, at, okay. a few, at a few places, but yeah, at the time, I would have never gotten into comedy had I gone straight into comedy thinking I was going to be funny, and I never. Um, I never idolized comedians. I never identified with stand-up comedians. I was uh, did acting when I was a kid. I did acting in high school, and then I went to art school for painting. But I honestly, because I didn't want to be around actors, but it was really the only thing that I liked. So I was like very bottled up inside. And I, in art school, I started doing performance art, and I loved that when weirdo. I would go to open mics, and people would go for poetry readings and take the stage alone, and I was just fascinated by you know. There was one place where it was a transvestite from the street, you know, and I'm in my early 20s. I'm in San Francisco. I'd never seen anything like that before. I was just like, tell me more. Like, I could, <laughs> I could watch you read from your doc. You know, she's reading her poetry. Yes, I want to hear everything. And so all these open micers, I was just like eating it up. I just liked the solo performer, even in my performance art, where other people were, would, would have like a body sock covering their eyes and their ears and they would go down flights of stairs and that would be their piece. Mine was always, I'm Whoa. performing and you're going to sit and watch me. I never conceptualized like, I'm taping my genitals, although I did do that for comedic purposes. In Naturally. <laughs> but you know what I mean? My I do performance it art was very, um, I would have disjointed sentences. I wouldn't know what was coming out of my mouth. And I was like, it was almost like I was boiling over inside. And so when I saw these performers and then the comedy clubs were closing in San Francisco, so a lot of comedians would come to these rooms these yeah. poetry rooms and it would be like Patton Oswalt and Blaine Patch and Greg Barrent um, Jeremy Kramer who's he's not doesn't perform anymore but um, at that time I was like oh the yeah. the, because they would do stuff that they wouldn't do at the clubs but they were so onto themselves and their voice and it was so clear that I was like I like that so it was just a way for them to work out, you mean? Like yes. they, they they weren't necessarily doing performance art. But no, 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 no. They were doing... Um, it was just an was open mic, mic in terms of you could do whatever you wanted. You could do whatever you wanted. Oh, Free okay. form. So then I started hanging out with more 
those people types of people. And I like that you said those people. Those people. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. Was I putting myself in the third person or who was narrating no, that story there? That would be my negative. life. Yeah. It was just singling out that they were clearly not as good as you, which I respect. By the way, my favorite people. Um, no, I, I was just like, yeah, this is. I, this is this what is I what like. This is what you want to do. And t- to be clear, I when I was in art school, th- those were not my people. So you're joking when you think I'm like think I'm better than them because I, <laughs> I, I honestly joking. was like you're <laughs> joking. Yeah. Clearly, nothing about me spells out. I you know it's great when we have to explain the joke. <laughs> so that always works out. I'm excited Look, about it. You, I don't know him well. Yeah. Sorry. Don't trust men. <laughs> Smart. Um, this is a Very close smart. I tried face. to compliment him to You've, get him to open up to me. So he has I could better hair than us. Better Come hair on. than both of us combined. Better <laughs> yeah. boobs. God damn it. Better vagina. Listen, I've got a dad bod now. I'm working on. <laughs> how many on kids do you have? Just one. Okay, how old? She's uh, 16 months. Holy shit. Yeah. He's in the trenches. How old is she? I'm stay at home dadding. It's nightmare. Oh, because you'll be up all, uh, in the morning and all day. Yeah, I get up real early. My wife works regular jobs, so I got to. Be a real that adult. makes me feel Mr. better Mom. because I do the same. I'm here if I come here late and then I'm up early yeah. and I'm trying to take it downtown for a nap in the middle of the day. Yeah, and do like a split. Sh- yeah, if she shift. if she naps, I'm going for it. I'm yeah. like, oh, this is my time to sleep. Otherwise, I'm gonna die. How and long I, will she nap? What's the longest nap? I mean, usually she naps for like an hour and a half, but never long er, enough. No, never. exactly never. right. I mean, I, I I probably drink six cups of coffee a day. Just to survive. Yeah. My but. mom always says that sleep when they sleep. Yeah. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. But then we're all sleepers. So I was like, oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my son's nine. And uh, I feel kind of sad and angry. Whoa. And uh, frustrated. Why? As I was putting him to bed. And he and then he and he said something like, well, you know, I, don't, I feel like something's missing in my life. <laughs> Uh, your nine-year-old said that? Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't know what to do. I almost no shit my pants. Why. He goes, I, you know, what's the point of life if you're not living? Amen. Amen. At I nine? Mean, at nine. Little misanthrope. Has he been right? listening to Mark Barron? <laughs> we need to get to the bottom and of this. And then we're talking, and then he finally, you know, I'm like, well, actually, that's one of life's big questions. <laughs> um, I go, everyone, adults want to know that. And he goes, yeah, I mean, if you're not having fun. He goes, I do schoolwork and I play basketball. I said, well, isn't basketball fun? And he's like, there's a big pause. And he goes, I want to go to Six Flags tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I said, I want to have a nap and do a yoga class and get a massage tomorrow. (laughs) In other words, like, no. We're not not going to the magic This whole thing is not. It was a a ploy all along. Yeah, it was a ploy. He got me. He knows what I like. good. He knows what I like. pull you in like that. Uh, See, I thought something going on i'm gonna go to his school just to show you you know a sign of friendship and i'm gonna bully his bullies but but now i feel like he was just conning us all along we should just keep bullying him no what i'm gonna do is i'm still gonna go to his school i'm gonna slap some people around you just want to do that (laughs) listen i just need to feel like a big man all right they would get real nervous uh i mean there was a lot of different he, I think that part of that was a ploy, but then what did he say? Because he goes to a progressive school, so they call it groups what instead, of, gra- oh, instead I, of grades. You triggered Eleanor now. Mm, progressive school. What is progressive school? It's is a, that like hippie thing? 
Montessori-ish. Well, this one was uh, started. Uh, I for, I see? should know better. The mo- the the, the, the Let's person just say that it was it's like alternative on. comedy. Oh, it's the alternative comedy of it, education. But mine was started by communists who were blacklisted in the forties and oh, wanted a uh, experiential based learning. Antifa so that education. So that you're not doing it by rote. You're you're having the um, learning be grounded in something that means something to them my god i'm from kansas that wouldn't be allowed yeah they're like philadelphia yeah i'm from michigan we don't yeah we don't like if they're building something then the math according to the thing that they're building type of a wow or they'll like design a restaurant and and a kid yes and then they'll have to serve and know where the food comes from and so it it means so it means something to their life so they make that's oh. yeah. I mean that makes sense. There's some of the kids that's I a grew very up with. Simplistic way to. They should have just taught them janitorial stuff instead of <laughs> algebra. True, and I'm one of those kids. Yeah. So. Like, why why are we wasting time teaching <laughs> Guys, these kids? Let's this go stuff? to janitorial school I together. Think, <laughs> together. I think we should. Listen, it, every day. Start our own plumbing company. When my Come baby on. loses <laughs> her shit, and I literally have no idea what to do because I didn't read any books, and I just thought it would work itself out. Right. I think <laughs> I should have been a custodian or something. Right. But is there anything about your behavior that you're like, oh, shit, I better correct that uh, and well, not pass it on to my kid? Um, uh, No, I, I don't think so. I okay. mean, I, I, but I, I say a lot of inappropriate shit, and now she's starting to repeat words. So now I'm like, fuck, I got to yeah. watch what I say because she just will repeat random things. And, like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I, it's probably what all and kids do. I don't know. it means nothing to her. But. Like, yeah. it's just the most random shit. She'll be, like, the other day, she just pointed at my backpack, and she goes, backpack. I'm like, how the fuck do you know backpack? Nice. And that means I say a lot of really inappropriate words way more often than I say backpack. <laughs> sure. So Backpack's the least one. Like, She's oh, just oh, showing oh, you, hey, yeah, daddy. Yeah. Backpack, that's once a year, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Fuckhead, it's coming. She's going to say it. Oh, shit. words in the backpack, uh, yeah. No, so, but you're a stay-at-home mom? You go, You work. Um, thank you for that. Right. I haven't, I haven't heard that since I had like, Thanksgiving last year with a 75 year old businessman who looked at me and said, uh, you so don't, work. you don't work. And I was like, uh, go on. I've never heard that or you were been just that filming in my life. A movie yeah. in Atlanta for, yeah. And when I go, my husband has to do everything, but we, he also, he's a, he owns a small fitness studio. So okay. if he's up in the morning, doing classes which isn't every morning but i'm always up in the morning like, i'm just always well, you up just we, we trade we trade okay it's like a halvesies and that's perfect yeah to have that kind of help <laughs> but my, sometimes my the halvesies becomes like an allsies if uh, yeah he's in the allsies right I'm now in the allsies. and i'm not in the bait yeah i you you're inspiring me again because <sighs> you're really uh toeing the line that that's a lot to have a baby and to be the be the person but Bo- both my husband and i have very flexible we go back and forth oh that see that's good like that he has and then flexibility when I go, he has to do it everything type of thing right i was out of town for four or five weeks on and off right you, were you coming back and forth wow. yeah i did a couple that's times. amazing yeah God bless you for that. Yeah, yeah that's this crazy. is a big movie. This is um, a big movie with a lot of comics I'm in it. I'm really excited. I know it. Al Madrigal's in it. Uh, who else was there? Uh, Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish. It's a Kevin Hart of vehicle. Well, them. it's actually a Kevin and Tiffany. But yes, it's, but it's produced by Kevin's company. It it, it, it is a true ensemble. Yeah, but that's they're, awesome. They're the, uh, 
the the driving uh, it, um, Rob Riggle isn't it? Is Karen Killam? Is Kevin Hart super douchey now that he's extremely successful? Not at all. Because he I, used I to be super nice. Not at all. Yeah, he's super. But I just nice. feel like he's so big nice. at this point that at some point he's gonna have to snap and be a total asshole. He's got he's, to. He's so nice. Yeah, he was See? always nice. He just kept that. I Philly. think he's one that's of those Philly. guys. That's, what it is. Uh, that's right. He's a Philly I guy. I think he gets it, and I know. I think he, uh, just from being around him a little bit, my sense is like he doesn't want to forget a, it. He wants yeah. to know where he came, came from, from, and uh, right. he. That's also part of the success, you know. I was like, yeah, where he's he's there and he's present yeah. when he's doing the thing he does now mind you you know to me i was like oh, that was a really big movie and he's, <laughs> he's like this is one of eight major things i'm doing right, right now yeah and yeah. he takes it seriously and he's there Everything. and he loves it but he's also like yeah this is one of he would go many do, projects you know three or four yeah and he's uh, stadium making... shows on the weekend and that was just Jesus. as much a part of yeah, and we're like, we're, we're going to sleep. Like, you're in every scene in the movie, and you're going to go and do... Yeah, I think he made, like, $70 million or something last year. That's it? That's it. Okay. But, you know, again, I made twenty three k. so Whoa, hey. we're in the same ballpark. <laughs> terms on of, the spectrum. Yeah, I'm on, <laughs> we're in the money spectrum. But he does so much for, like, he puts money back into his community in North Philly. He grew up, and he puts a lot of... Um, money back in there and i love that about him yeah that's a good yeah he's that's yeah. a good person trying to that. rectify i will i know the I suburbs of sure. kansas city where i'm from has not seen a dime of my money if <laughs> and when i ever make any <laughs> would you ever put money back where in are michigan? you you're michigan no I'm, now i'm really on the spot because i've had money to do it and i haven't done no i um <laughs> damn it i would i just yeah, don't you have a kid you have a, yeah you have I'm, more responsibility I'm, i um i actually put it in my act it took me a while to come to terms with it of where yeah i made a lot of money on tv and i spent that money okay. which is sort of revealing but i like I li in that way where it's like ew, why is she but i kind of love that whole area of like yeah this is how it happened here's how it went down you know um so yeah i'm in that spot where i'm still how maintaining living in la and having a yeah. family making money you know i could have done better with what i had when i didn't have a family you know and i just i just kind of like look were you making and, and 60 also, million dollars a year exactly it, it never until then I no i don't think anyone's expecting you to i should have done better with, what I, <laughs> with that seed money oh, I right. just, she was like, making 60 million okay. oh, no, you were I on 24 for yeah. a long how long was 24 on it, it, 24 was on for like eight years and that okay. was a really that was a big show that was an amazing thing it was a big show i definitely grew up as like a person as an actress on that show um and it took me a good three years to admit like oh this is what i do i'm on this show right you're, you're a real actor now and then yeah you know made a lot of money for me but probably not a lot of money in the scope of money um in Kevin Hart spectrum. Yes. Okay. But oh oh that's where I was going with that. But but I did looking back. I mean I was I was I think I just thought, well, I'm this is it. I'm going to keep working and I have been working. I have no complaints, but I did not maintain that money. Oh. Right. And I did not ever go into another show like that is few and far between. Yeah. And it also, the way it was structured, it's not like a syndication thing. It was one of the first serialized shows. 
you know, it just wasn't that situation. I was like, I'm a guest star. I'm on the show, you know, and then, yeah. you know, before I knew it was over and I was like, okay, that was great. And oops. What's and next? now. We write 25. Exactly. <laughs> but there was a okay. moment where I was like, yeah, this is what happens. I'm on shows now. Right. And yeah. it never, it just never kind of That's not leveled real. off. So yeah. then I had to, after I sort of was like, woohoo. Uh, I'm gonna spend whatever. Then it was like, oh, okay, I can still do this for a living, but I right. don't, I can't, I have to figure it out. And then, especially when you get married and have a kid, you're like, all right, we have to like, yeah. ration this up. And yeah, especially when he's wondering what what's worth living for. I mean, you know, there's a lot of places he wants to go in life, and Six Flags is very expensive. So I mean, maybe in. This is just a theory because when I go to Six Flags, I know I'm going to feel better about myself physically, and uh, <laughs> I just I appreciate the multi-ethnic ugliness of the human beings. You look at your wife and go, "I want to go to Six Flags tomorrow." <laughs> so why? I don't feel good about me. I want to go to the United Nations of unattractive people. Yeah, I don't know I what life is about. I just want to tattoo or whatever that stupid <laughs> roller coaster is called. Oh, I love roller coasters. That's all they have. But do there. you like the ones that are oh wild, all upside of them. down? Okay. All of them. I can't. The crickety one. There, there was an old one that I, I swear. Colossus. It's, yes, they I took like it down. Colossus. Going on that one, uh, we recorded it. Like video, I was with Freddie Soto, and he videotaped the whole thing, and you could hear. <laughs> it sounds frightening. It, like, yeah. And there were certain points where it was like, "Oh, we're gonna fall off." And we did that last. That's the one and from. We did all the others. That's the one from Vacation. No that was the one that was, yes, that was the one that scared that's the, one the shit out of us. John Candy and the crew. Oh, yeah, ride. Wally World. Yeah, Wally yeah. World, that's it. Wally World. Yeah, of course I know that because my brain is mush. I don't even have a kid, and I know all the children's movies. Yeah, but that's a classic. That's a, an 80s Yeah, I classic. guess. I don't like when the roller coasters are like, we're going to make you throw up. Throw up. We're <laughs> going to make you die and come back to life. Shit like, out just, your liver. What's that ride? The liver ride? shitter. Yeah, you just want to have a nice time. What's that one? It goes is it Superman? I think you go straight oh, up, yeah. and then it goes yeah. down. But it goes so fast. They're all terrible. I've sworn I'll never go there. And again. I've ha I had my friend's hand in my face because it just gets <laughs> stuck. Because she's like, "Oh my god!" It was my friend Corey, and she's like, "I gotta put my sweater on," and her hand got stuck while we were. And I'm like, "Bitch, oh, fuck that's kill my you. favorite." It was awful. My friend's hand was in my face. And that's my roller coaster like, ride. Yeah, I, I didn't even. I'm not think sure about that's a regular experience. <laughs> but I, because you know, was, Six Flags, there's always a hand in your face. <laughs> Seems like a very personal. <laughs> but I just got so mad because I was like, I can't even enjoy this ride because your stupid pinky nail is in my eye. Like I'm supposed to be looking up and be See, feared for my life. Yep. That's yeah. how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Building she up. had us Sorry. and then she got in there. Yep. Well, that's what I do. I start on the outside, not a good inside. I tried. Sorry. I tried to go once when there was a uh, a fire and. Uh, yeah, and uh, they closed it right as we got to the parking lot. I was oh, so really? Fucking mad. It took like three hours. Oh, there was a fire. Oh, okay. We got a ten-minute warning Ooh. from the great Danny. Oh, that is Thank nice. you, sir. Uh, anywho's so we we okay. So let's go. You're from Michigan. What part of Michigan are you from? Trenton, Michigan, south of Detroit. Ooh, south very Detroit. nice. Trenton, New Jersey. I know <laughs> she, that. She, she shakes She's her like, head. No, no, it's not uh -huh. nice. <laughs> Uh, and when you came out here, so you were doing those rooms. You went to San Fran. Were you going? To, you were going to school. I was in going San to Fran, art school. I was finishing art school there. Okay. Um, but yeah. Very and then you started stand up down here, or I started there, but it was 
very alty. What and, is? Um, I still uh, don't know what that means. Alternative. I mean, I, I know we have alternative not, comics, um, but uh, your goal is still the same thing, though, right? You still are wanting to make people laugh, or are you just trying to be extra smart? creative? Let's let's unpack it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I explained what I thought alternative comedy once, what it was, and uh, Moshe Kasher was like, that's not at all what an alternative comedy really? is. And I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I don't what know What did that. you say you thought it was? I said, <laughs> don't mind. Alternative, you're not going to like it. <laughs> alternative comedy is like when you want people to think you're clever and not funny. Oh. And he was like, that's not what it is. I'm like, well, that's what it seemed like. I don't know. I guess for me, um, <laughs> I... I didn't really identify with comedy and I was, it was almost, uh, I liked it when it was more confessional and more, uh, okay. I was very improvisational. I didn't do things twice. I remember that was a big thing like, oh, you're going to repeat your stuff. And, uh, when I started, I was the same way. I didn't really, was I alternative when I started? Yeah, probably. And I personally I was so uh, just needed to express myself that I, for years, would be like, you got to get a sketch packet. But I was so locked up, like, write <laughs> oh, jokes. Oh, you got to say that over again. Sketch packet? Sketch packet in the and, 90s uh, when you submit your writing. But the gulf between me as a pent-up want-to-be performer and being able to construct a joke was... I didn't have any concept of, I just knew, I knew people were laughing, but I didn't know why they were laughing. So okay. I would go on stage in this tightrope of, it would either do really well or really fail. And either way, I was in the zone of like, people knew that I was, that I was doing that. So it almost was like, not fail proof, but like if it failed, it was within this. Um, you were still following your rules following my rules and it wasn't in a club setting where you right. definitely feel that anxiety um even when for me early on before i started touring a lot i think it was like at the comedy magic club or something where i knew what i was doing and that my thing was like uncomfortable when i and you know it was constructed and i yeah. made sure that a, a laugh was coming up but they were like oh oh no we right out of the gate. We don't like. They didn't accept that I was playing a character. Yeah, because they want. And so for me, it's almost like I came at it backwards. I had to work on who the narrator was. I had to work on not mumbling and changing what I was saying in between it, and and um, just being more clear. And also because I guess because I have an acting background, or that's an easier route for me. That I also had to work on not projecting my feelings so that people would be like oh well we just feel bad for you now so you know you're like <laughs> oh, learning these things the hard way not, yeah, the yeah. not the hard way but when you're doing like uh, rooms that are in bars or in coffee houses there it's easier to not they're more accepting of something more, that's not cookie cutter there's no um there's no there doesn't have to be a form. Right. Um, it's not, well, here's the setup. Here's my punchline. Tag the punchline. Tagist. And also for line. me, I was just <laughs> needed to do it. And hanging out in that environment was as much a part of it. So I had tons of stage time, but I had never really, every once in a while I would get lucky and have something that would could be construed as a joke that I would repeat. So I Because I did a lot of performing. Yeah. So I would have... It was almost like just working in a uber organic way where I would sometimes have fully formed things, but I never worked at it because I didn't know how to. And I didn't care to study it in my 
opinion of myself is because I was like sort of damaged socially and I needed to like kind of become a person before a joke writer. Right. Interesting. Uh, or I, like I or I needed to do it through performing and then kind of realize like realize what it was. Yeah, I like that more. It's yeah, it's a better way to put it than what Well, I mean that's just saying. my own uh, <laughs> I'm sure no, but it's I true. just hate like, joke writers. Yeah. And but now when you came here um the comedy store you start showcasing you showcase for Tommy is that correct I because you never showcased I for never, Duncan Duncan was the talent no. coordinator here I was you showcased Mitzi a different was way. still passing people then though I never but Duncan would have set here. it up oh yeah. yeah I never performed here is okay. Adam did Adam pass you Adam passed me. Adam oh, brought okay. you in oh okay and it was all and I only um came back here after I had been on the road for you know, a year and a half, and I thought, all right, I've done an hour on the road. I'm going to come back to the comedy store. There was one time where um, Bobby Lee walked me up to Tommy's window. Oh, boy. And Bobby Lee was, like, so sweet. He goes, oh, you don't know her? Like, she's been on Mr. Show. She's done all this stuff. And, and Tommy totally gave me the uh, come, uh, come and hang out. And at the time, ew. I was like, I have I a life. Like, out. I can't. I, I, will, I will definitely come and do five minutes, but I can't just... Hang, hang out for a week. See, I, I don't understand. I will come that. to an open mic. I will come to whatever show, but I, I need to know I have a set. Like I can't. Uh, yeah, no, some people say that. Like, oh, I don't hang out enough at the store. That's not what it. You, you want to be here if you're getting a spot. That's it. You don't have to hang out here like that. And so like, that was when he and Bobby Lee was so generous to kind and of. By like, the way, that's why Rick left because Bobby Lee has brought everybody into this club <laughs> and got and them passed. I'm not kidding. <laughs> really? Every person we almost every person we've no had way. on was like Bobby Lee helped me get past Bobby. Lee. And I'm telling you. So but he's, just, I did not get passed because of Bobby Lee. I got passed because no, of Adam. because a crazy man named Tommy was running the booth. Uh, yeah, yeah Wait, but Adam, is that true, Bobby Lee? Who else did he get in here? Oh my God, so many people. I can't even think of. Is he genuinely pissed? No, no. He uh, had a, his. He's got to <laughs> do the main room. It's a money night for him. <laughs> his spot was at eleven fifteen. I don't even know what time it is, but um, yeah. So what, this is what we do. Like, if he has to go do a spot, go do a spot. If you have to go, you know, we just kind of run it. But I thought it whatever could have started it earlier but i don't think i was clear either. i was not clear we should have voice called like we still like should have because i was goddamn driving for six hours from vegas it took six hours to get home today i was so pissed i never wanted to leave you waiting like that my darling no no i, well, I had to close the first show in the belly room anyway okay. so i was here oh you were at and Tammy's? then yeah i did the first show um and now i have to do the second show and then i'm I'm on at 12.30. You're on at 12. I'm on at 12.30. When you said 1, I was like, oh, wow. That's late. Am I on at 1.30? Because I knew I, I was like right after you. I didn't know until I Twitter that I was on at 12. <laughs> I was, Thank I don't God know if for I Twitter. Heard, I don't know if I got moved up or if I just got the message no, wrong. No, I think you just got the message wrong. Because I got a 12.30 in my phone and I'm like, there's oh. no way I'm on before Maryland. <laughs> That's just not how life works. Um, uh -oh. at the Is world famous yeah well no because I know my spots and they, they like me late night in that original room because it keeps the crowd but it's like still they get wild they yeah. start at that point they're drunk you know you go on at like a semi normal hour I do 10.30 yeah it's an hour and a half into the show It's th they start at 10.30 yes so then that extra half hour now people are leaving they're signing the check and they're like who could deal with this <laughs> who's used to having people walk out on them 
Eleanor. Let's put her on. I feel like I get those late night spots (laughs) and there's like this. There's the drop off of people sure. that leave, and then the people that there's always that that there's a weird one in the main room. A certain time, I swear, it's like the comic before seems to be having the time of their life. Yeah, and then it's that one little time slot. It's like uh twelve, I think, or eleven forty five, depending on what time the show starts, and. It is a, a mad rush of everyone leaving. And so do you <laughs> mentally, you when you go into it, do you know, you're like, okay, that's just going to happen? Or do you wait until you get out there? And Wait until you get you- out there. Because you don't know which person you're going to be. It's it's hit or miss. It could be they stay for you and then walk out for the right. next person. Or they walk out for you and then you have to set it so up for the next person. So you go out and you're, and you're, here's what I want to do. Oh. And I'm uh, saying, uh, so you feel what it's going to be like. You have to be prepared for everything. And then I what think. do you do when you get the... Um, if they're, when they're tired, out. not even the walkout, but the tired, tired and they're there. I kind of get tired all the time, but I, I just, I just try to bring more energy to show them that, hey, you can be up at this hour. <laughs> if we're here, we already made it, so let's, let's stay up. You know, I don't know. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like I get mad if I can't get a crowd to turn. Yeah. To 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 come back. Like it's okay, guys. It's, yeah. I know it's one forty-five. And I've gone on at 145 in the OR. Will you say that out loud to them? Oh, God, yeah. 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 So, but here's my question to you. When you started doing the stand-up, which I hate to say this, but I know what you mean by repeating. Yeah. So it's a repetitive, it's more of an act versus a clearing of like what happened that day, which some comics do that as a set. And you're like, no, don't do that. Uh, (laughs) Because sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There's very few people that can do it. Yes. Do you prefer how you were doing it or do you like what we do here? I prefer a mixture of both. Oh, nice. Okay. I love um I love when there when I know there's a joke there and it feels loose in between. Ooh. Okay. Like you I mean that's you you do yeah. you do that. When you when you I guess I guess I just but you don't always think have a about go-to it because it's because it's automatic. Even though when you, it, when you're talking, there's always a go a go to. Maybe you never you never just talk at, and not know where it's going. Sometimes or, or, it, or it'll just come up and you'll take that thing that's there. Yeah, so, and run with it. Yeah. Sometimes I try to. Sometimes I hate hearing words ever again like there's certain bits that if I ever say it again I'll take my own life in front of the audience like it's I hate it so much so I'll go on stage there's been times where I'll go on for like weeks and I won't do any material at all oh. and it's not necessarily crowd work I mean it starts that way but then it'll jar something and then I'll just roll on it like keep and going will bits come up that yes. you've done before or no. that it's new and the, the, that's how you I'll develop just- a new bit. Like there's certain topics I want to talk to uh, talk about, but I'm not specifically good at sitting down and writing out the words to a bit. Like a good friend of mine is a guy named Bob Oshak. I don't know if you know Bob. He's a comic, oh, of him. more of a writer, but he would write it so specifically, mm. like to the period, like, and he memorized it like that. Like when he said it, he was so well crafted that you were like, "Holy shit! I don't write at all." <laughs> Like, I just like to fling it. I don't like to be, con- you know, 
like, oh, you have to say this word or the joke won't work. Oh, you have to say well, it this way or the joke won't work. Well, that's a testament to how good you are at doing it. But that's what I'm saying, like the variation. Like I feel like if someone... And I, I need to work on joke writing, and I have, and I have been, but I also have to have the other because if I, I've, I've experimented with like, all right, you're going to... And some, I mean, it, it has worked. Every variation has worked, but... The times where I feel like I have to stick to a script, then I, I don't. The energy's not coming out of me enough. I, I've yeah. got to, oh, I've got to loosen it up. And even, you know, even tonight, I don't know. Some nights I get more nervous than others. And Tammy Joe's room is usually good for yeah. like just being loose and having fun. Those yeah. are the shows where I'm like, what? I just did six minutes and I got like an actual bit out of that. You yeah. Know? Um, she de- that belly room is great to develop in. I mean, I don't know why it just is. So now, if I know what I want to start with, I will, I will go tell myself, but do a couple lines and get loose before that, because you know you're going to go to that, but you need to say it like ah. it's the first time that you've said it. Okay, because it's not it. I think all of my stuff there is an element of act out in it, even if it's not a completely frenetic physicalized yeah, act out I'm, it, it, it always requires um uh for me to right express uh, yourself yes. a little bit more than normal now um when you got here when adam passed you were you like intimidated like oh shit what am i doing amongst you know the, these comic comic whatever the, the words funny are. thing was i thought i was okay because i had been on the road and in, in oh a, right okay in so you're sense, headlining too though at yes. that point yeah uh, so the in between i mean it was many years in between but what happened was with all the alternative stuff i did it did it did it and then everyone sort of grew up i you know we i wasn't hanging out in bars with the same people and everyone was work, right. working in different capacities but I never gave up the comedy. So I would do it maybe once a month or time would pass and I would go do some storytelling show. And then it finally got to the point where I realized I'm identifying with doing comedy, but I'm not really doing it. So either I need to quit or I need to dig in and really do it. So I dug in and I called the agency that I was at and asked them for their personal, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the booking person, PA PA. And, um, I got, booked and i had i think i had whatever the order of events i had worked enough to not be petrified to get booked right for an hour and i was on 24 had come back on the air which i wasn't expecting okay. but but meaning i was done with 24 it right. happened to come back for nine episodes in england oh that's and so right. that yeah. was another um, raise in eyeballs on me on TV, sure, sure. which coincided with me really working on stand-up. So I had all this material. Oh, I remember what it was because I had done a one-woman show and I plucked all the funniest things oh, out of it and nice. used it in my stand-up and let go of like the story stuff and just picked the ones that like moved really fast. And so I had felt pretty good about the material and it coincided with people watching me on 24. So I sold all these tickets. But it was it was amazing. But it was also people who had been watching me in a drama. So the 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 opener and the feature would come off stage and go, "Your audience is weird. Like I don't know what happened." And then and then I realized, oh, because they're they don't go to comedy clubs. They're coming to see Chloe from Twenty Four. So sometimes I'd get people like holding up a costume, and it's an amazing thing to be recognized like that. Uh, Yeah, I get it. When you're somebody like I was, who I was like, I've. 24 was my only drama. I did 
maybe I wasn't a hardcore stand up, but love, I did. Right. Yeah. That was from favorite. him seeing me doing. Uh, anyway, anyway, I did tons of bit uh, in sitcoms and that was what I, I'm like, wow. I'm, I know I'm funny. Right. So I would start my hour Hey, and be in my what I thought was my core sort of driving. Well, that doesn't match with the girl that they right. see on TV. So I was like, oh shit, like I just shot myself in the foot because I'm like, I want to get into some nuts and bolts comedy. <laughs> and they're like, who is this girl acting like she's uh, like we come weird to the wrong show? and like low status and low self esteem? And uh, shit, we want to see. So, you know, there's a few things happening. We want to see Chloe from 24. We're not interested. We see you as like a TV star. We don't see you as you see yourself. So, right. But but also I'm not gonna go out there and be like, hey guys, I'm freaking awesome because that's not me, and right. also it's not gonna that that pushes the audience away. But anyway, so I I kinda, so how do you overcome that? Because that's like a growth in itself. That's insane. That was a really fun, you know, fun and terrible. Just right. I would start experience out going. Yeah. Oh, you guys like Jack Bauer. And it would kind of be what you're talking about <laughs> of like, oh, you're my Jack Bauer for the night, and I would. But then I developed bits that were pertaining to 24 and that depending on how hyped up the audience was about 24, I would do five, 10 to 15 minutes of like talking about it. And then when I moved into my more personal stuff, sometimes depending on the night, it could be really gratifying because it's like I took them from this and I brought them into a whole other thing that they weren't expecting. Um, But so that was, you know, and, and that's. But that's a that's a beautiful and that's thing what to be that able was, to do. Was like six shows a weekend, and I finally, after all these years, you know that thing where it's like you're not really a comic and all this. I was like, oh, right. I now yeah. I know what this is. It's it's you know where we started out this conversation is is uh, you're making people laugh. You're their entertainment for the night. You're not somebody that's in this bar and you're all in the know. It's like yeah. these people are working. They're paying money. They're coming after work. They're coming to see you. They, they want got to have babysitters. A good time. They got. Yeah. They don't want to see you like. Are you being ironic? Like, what are you? They they want to know what you're doing. They yeah. want to go somewhere and they want to have a good time. And that was. They want know. to forget what they came from. Yes. Yeah. And that's not easy to do. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, and I had never done that before. Those six shows like that, and I was like, wow. Oh, this is what. This is what this is. <laughs> and then after that, you came here to the store. Right. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And then I got sidetracked. Oh, no worries. I, when I came here, oh, I'm she, supposed to do her show right She knows now. we're down here. Oh, she does? I told her to come get you oh, okay, when nice. she needs you. You're so good. So uh, <laughs> when I came here, you know, justifiably so, I had that under my belt. So I was like, all right, I can go do. No, I got uh, this. And it's bombed so bad. Here. Yes. Oh, we all Because do. it wasn't the road, and it wasn't people that had bought tickets to see me on the road. So yeah. now, you know, I was, like, thinking, oh, I'll just do this. And they're like, no, 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 you need to – it's it's deeper than that, and it's also it, – you've got to connect with us more, and you've got to you got to work for this more. And also, this is the comedy store. They've yeah, just, we're not giving you anything. They've also just seen an hour of the hardest-hitting – people that are giving it giving it and taking it and giving it and and that's where people are at they're not like your eight o'clock show that saw you on 24 and are in some city that doesn't have a lot of entertainment you know yeah and and the comedy store is so hard also the i think the audience 
you know, they're for, they're from everywhere. Yes. So sometimes it's like you're, you're performing for the UN and they're staring at you like, oh, we're going to cut him or her off. Right. Like it's brutal. I had a guy up there from Gibraltar one night and I'm like, the rock? Like that was all I knew. I didn't. He goes, at least you know about the rock. I was like, it's a commercial, dude. Like, I don't even know what to say to you. Right. But it's but if you can get them, like I feel like if you could get them, then you're you know doing something right you're becoming universal i used to do a lot of youth hostels to get like that because you're performing i can't afford to go to those countries or whatever so i would be performing for all these people from all over the place ireland sweden you know and they'd be in a youth hostel on hollywood boulevard it was amazing but it was so hard and I feel like here, yeah, you're up against Gibraltar. <laughs> I know I'm an idiot, uh, but Straits of Gibraltar. Thank I God I've seen a Prudential commercial. <laughs> is, it, is that what it is? Get a piece of the rock? I don't know. <laughs> it's a God. Thank God I watch a lot of TV, <laughs> and my brain is dead. Uh, but yeah, it's just I feel like this room. You you got to follow all these headlines. Any of these rooms they put on. And we're in L.A. So you're see- who knows? Anybody could stop in. Chris Rock. Hi, Tammy. Look, she's here to get you. Ten you minutes to, to marry. Look, look, she wrote a note. Oh. You want to say hi, Tammy? Hi. hi. Favorite. hi this hi, is Tammy Joe. We were just talking about your show and what shit it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. I'm no, we love you. Ten minutes we got? Okay. Okay. See how nice she is? She comes so down. She did it with a sign as to not interrupt, and we just made it an interruption. Yeah, I know you did it right. This and is we... the comedy store podcast. Everything <laughs> is all. It, Rick had to do his spot. <laughs> Where's what's his name? Get out now! All right, that's a lot of airtime, Tammy. God damn you! <laughs> she does run a great show in the belly room. What the hell's the name of it? Shut the fuck Shut up and, and bitch, bitch. Yes. So she has some anger so issues, but. <laughs> But I think that's why her audience, because those are people that are like trying to break in like bringers. And um, so she she books only a few bringers and then they bring their audience and they're a lot of locals and stuff like that. I was going to say they're more um, open. I wouldn't. Yeah, I was going to say hip, but open is a better word. They're more. no, they'll go with you. Right. Nothing really they'll take the journey. Them. Yeah. And yeah. Then they they're just... not like I'm from Gibraltar. <laughs> Acknowledge <laughs> well, they... that because I don't live here. I, don't, all... I know. I don't know anything about your country. Like you know <laughs> nothing about mine. <laughs> they all work at a dry cleaner, and one of them's funny. So they brought the whole staff. Yes. So they're like, "Well, this is great. And I don't smell like this could be you. Starch. Yeah. yeah. You know. So it's like they're real people coming yes. out to support, and then they'll see their friend who feels they're funny yes. and then that doesn't work out so then they're thrilled for us <laughs> that have been doing it for a while and those people become huge by the way a lot of breakout stars come through bringers you know like yes. that's how you saw amy schumer used to have to bring people to shows in new york like Whoa. it's just how shit See, works i bypassed the bringer as me well. too me too i got lucky i didn't mean to say me too i like got a I lot a of um <laughs> sorry i know i did though i felt that way when i would go to these bringer shows i'm like holy like i can't do this yeah i did a lot of them i did but a they lot- put you on as a guest a yeah. special guest that's right, right. see big time booze big time stuff uh yes uh, uh, i could never do i didn't have any friends plus i started when i moved here not in a bad way but when i moved here i was a i worked as a waitress at the comedy store so all i knew were comics and they if i decided 
because I waited tables here for 12 years, left for a year, and then came back as a stand-up. That's frightening. No way. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. My life is I remember you waitressed here, but I didn't realize it was that long and then left and came yeah, back. Yeah, it was Mitzi's personal assistant. I was what? for a long time. Like I got to go back and listen to these podcasts yeah, right. and get the whole scoop. <laughs> but it was just like, I don't. Have you watched I'm Dying up here? I have. Do you, do you have any? I you just like okay. I'm happy for them. That's it. Okay. That's like I love people. Ask me all the time. Is oh my god, is that Mitzi? No, it's not Mitzi. Right. Um, I'm. I was very, very close to Mitzi, and um, yeah, she was very stern. She could be. She could be brutal when she wanted to, but she was also very funny, extremely charming, and there's none of that in there. Like right. not, I love Melissa Leo. I'm right. not shitting on yes, her. Her acting ability is amazing. Yes. But when people say, "Is it Mitzi?" It can't be. She, she, no one loved comics more than she did. Her life got turned upside down, and she put everything into this club. Her, her, and her husband started it, and then he was sleeping with the waitstaff on a regular basis, and it flipped her mind. She didn't. You know, she was a 40-something-year-old woman with young kids. She had four kids, but there's a 10-year gap between uh, Sandy and Peter. So there's Polly. Flipped her mind in the sense where she was like, what? Her life. Got not, no, her life is, got turned upside so down. So she just kind of was starting from yeah. upside down, like, well, might as well. well I she have no other choice. She moved from the middle of the country to help her husband follow a dream. They started this. He was touring with Elvis. And then when he would be on the road, she would turn this place. She had such a love mm. for comedy and people that made people laugh so let's um talk about you in the situation uh working here w would you did you know you wanted to be a comic then no never okay i so never had i wanted to be meryl streep nobody would let me oh. I've, all i wanted to do was be a dramatic actress a serious actress Oh like my I, gosh. So I, you were just working here and you were like, okay, comedy, I was auditioning. I, w I didn't even pay attention, but the only people I knew were comics. I became friends with these morons that are here. Right. And, now, <laughs> and I love them all. I They were my first friend. My One of my first friends was Dom Herrera. You know? It, it, so what made you come back after that year? Uh, my best friend passed away. His name was Freddie Soto, a very funny comic. Oh. And he used to tell me all the time I should be doing stand-up. Really? So. I, I tried to do a one-woman show. That didn't work out. And then Dice came to see it, and he and I had been dating a little bit. Well, a little bit. Five years. Eleanor, relax. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows your business, bitch. Uh, a so, little bit. Uh, you know, we, we dabbled. And I have a Me Too video coming out about <laughs> it. And uh, <laughs> uh, But, yeah, so we he came to see me because we were still really good friends. We just broke up, like split up on good terms. And then he came to see me, and he was like, you're doing stand-up. And he started taking me on the road. I'm like, no, this isn't stand-up. I know what stand-up is. I worked here for 12 years. I've seen every stand-up Oh, so stand -up it, he saw your world. show. And he saw my one-person oh. show. Yeah. What I thought was a one-person right. show. But then he took me on the road, and I never did that one-person show. I, I got to do it. I, I'm jealous that you said you did one. I yes. want to do that. I think I'm afraid. I don't. I mean, even though I open up on stage, but when you do it, something like that, you have to be willing to not get the laughs. Like, yeah. like uh, I'm so conditioned. Like, you got to get, you got to make these people laugh. You got to move. You got to, instead of just relaxing and telling a story. Yeah. That would be challenging. I remember seeing Melinda Hill's um, one-person show, and she 
I remember thinking, man, she's not getting any laughs. I mean, it's an interesting story. <laughs> but I felt like a dick because I was like, hey, you're missing the point. This is what she... And it was brilliant. It was excellent. Like, Melinda's right. a terrific yes. uh, performer. Yes. And, she, and I was like, oh, now I get it. And it was... I think Tig's was first and hers was second. So it was Tig Nataro first. But Tig's so dry mm-hmm. and so different. And yeah. I'm used to Melinda being like, bing, bing, bing on stage. And she was completely different. So I didn't know as well as I knew her so right. I was just like oh yeah okay <laughs> this is weird but I I gotta do it where did you do yours when did you do yours, um I've actually done a couple uh, yeah I've done a couple over the years I did so one of the jealous. HBO workspace that was on used to Me be on too. Seward oh, I know you, it well. is that the same one I didn't or was do it like the Comedy Central workspace it, it is both. Like I did one there Comedy uh, Central took it over but I did oh. a play at the HBO workspace because I was trying to be an actress with my, at the time, he was a comic boyfriend, and we wrote a play, and Freddie Soto directed it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was our favorite thing to do, but Freddie was the one that got us in the HBO workspace. Yeah. And then our material, they have to... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, so we kind of, like... Cross paths. Yes, we did. Oh, very creepy. Um, we might have to go get you ready for... Yeah, and I did want get to you out of makeup. Theater. Do you ever go there? No, I've heard That's of it, though. Great, I think I've gone to see shows there. That would be there. a great place for She's you. She's going to come down with an easel. Because She's going to have uh, an easel. Oh, because Rick's it's, back. Because it's comedy-based, but, yeah. but it'll give you that, uh, I think, a good feeling to the just s- tell stories. It's Steve a good, Allen good great space for that. This is Rick Ingram. A good in-between where it's not theatrical and it's not uh, comedy. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Could we, can we go over everything I missed? Hold on. Let me explain what happened. God, your Tammy Joe so good. Right? Thank you. It, it gets better after I perform. It gets better after that six cup of coffee. I, after I, that performance, boy, I washed it today. Towel dried. You know, I did everything that Plus you're supposed to do. Plus this fog is just bringing it up. It, it curls It's like it, London pops outside. It. Right I don't want to leave now. Okay, go. you don't have to. Tammy doesn't really mean anything. You she know doesn't. that. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. She's doing a show upstairs. Tammy Joe came down with a, a clipboard. Damn. And that's she was intense. trying not to interrupt us. And then, of course, we just yelled out, Tammy's here. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> All right. Wait. Have fun, I guess. I think we just lost Mary Lou. Yeah, she, but she, we, we gained Rick out. back. I'm back. I'm excited. Um, we were talking about one-person shows. Would you ever do one? Uh, I mean, if it will help me, yeah, I'll do one. And she's done a bunch. Like, I went and tried to... I wanted... Initially, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then Dice saw me in the belly room, and he was like, that's stand-up, stupid. Okay. So I listened to him, because that's why my life is in ruins, because I yeah. listened to him. I wish, going looking back, if I, I should have just been an accountant. You're I was good, good at numbers. math. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I took, I, was, I took Calc 2 when I was in high school. Oh, shit. And it's like, right. what, what's the point? Why I don't did even I do know what that, that means, but I... Yeah. Calculus? Yeah, calculus. Advanced calculus. And I I make fun of people and I say quasi racist (laughs) things on stage now for a living. Yeah, there's a guy from Hong Kong in the audience named Lee who was just fucking killing it. I mean, in life or? No, just tonight in the audience. He was wasted. He was was chugging uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Was it Feng Chao that fucker? I wish. No, this guy. Almost better. Just his timing was impeccable. I'd be like, what do you think about that, Lee? Like, Hell yeah. <laughs> he was fantastic. Anytime there was a lull, I'd just look at him and he'd just give me a hell yeah. Like I kept calling him the, the Hong Kong Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
feel like he was dressed in like ridiculous garb. On yeah, you. yeah, yeah, on like a crazy. I'm in a crazy guy from Hong Kong shirt, <laughs> buttoned down, just looking, looking like a lunatic. And uh, oh, now he was I wish spectacular. I was on in the main room. Yeah. Damn it. I- yeah, he was. He was good, man. It was fun, but it did lead to me saying some quasi-racist things. Okay. Uh, I asked about him about the- his tiny penis. Very excited. He said, no, no, dude, it's fucking big, dog. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, is he Mexican all the time? I, I mean, I like kind this. of. He, he actually sounded like he, he was switched. from Laguna Beach. <laughs> like that he full-on surfer. I kept going, dude, Hong Kong is gnarly, brah. <laughs> um, but then I, I said something about him having a huge dong. And then I said, wait, is that racist to call it a dong if I'm talking about an Asian guy? Okay, I like where it you're should going be. with this. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I would do a one-man show. I mean, uh, no one no one wants to see that. But That's not true. People want to hear your story. I don't think that's possibly true. I could I, include my, my v- supervillain origin story of seeing okay. a giant dick going into my girlfriend in college. That really is a moment I that turned me. I thought you were going to say it in the main room right now, and that freaked me out, no, but no. okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, he pulled it out? No, I told I told Adam Egan. time? <laughs> uh, he said, someone had told, asked me to ask you about your girlfriend in college. And so I oh told him a story God. about how I walked in on her cheating on me. And he was like, dude, I feel like I just heard Lex Luthor tell me why he became evil. And I was like, wait, <laughs> you think I'm evil? And he's like, you're 100% evil. Okay. I was like, oh, all right. So... <laughs> I, I think the people are ready for it. Uh, I hate you, the Rick Ingram experience. There you go. And, uh, you know, we'll be sold out for at least half a night. Easily. We do it in the belly room? Do it in the belly room. Pack it out? Pack it out. Probably get 12 to 13 comics that I'm friends with in there. <laughs> uh, my fan base of three people. I love Maybe it. sneaking in. There was a, in Vegas... Uh, last night there was a picture of this dude. I'm so mad that I didn't take a picture, but I was too tired to even do it. But it was an advertisement for this guy. I guess he's a singer or something in Vegas. Okay. Looks exactly like John Cheezer if he was the Oof. most interesting man in the world. Like that. Nice. I was like, Eleanor, get the strength God to take a damn picture. It. But I couldn't. I I just I was lost and I was running. Yeah, he like had, one of those. I can't find the showroom. Oh right. shit! I'm gonna be late. <laughs> yeah, I, the only time I ever experienced that I don't know where the showroom is was with Dice at Mandalay Bay. Ah, fucking Vegas, man. It's yeah. tricky. It's like we even like, had a guy leading us from the hotel, <laughs> and we ended up in a kitchen. Yes. And the guy was like, "Well, I think we go out this door." And we walked out the door, and it was literally just, just an alley. And then they called someone on radio, and they like took five minutes, and they came and picked us up in a golf cart. And we were on the opposite side of the Mandalay Bay. I'm telling you, it's Vegas is fucking tricky like that. And they I'm just like, want to keep you in. You? They don't. They don't want you getting out or getting anywhere. They Everything you... looks alike. You're like, yeah. wait, that's an exit. Oh, there's an exit over there. Oh, everybody, yeah. oh, we're all in here. Yeah. Like it, I felt so creepy, but that's why I was rushing. And when I saw that, I was like, shit, is that Cheezer? That would pretty be amazing. Much. Uh, base, pretty much the basically the show. The guy was pretty much basically uh, He was giving doing the, the two finger she's. <laughs> Uh, Julia will give me the the double finger. Will she? And like she'll point with both fingers, and Corinne and I basically will immediately just basically Julia, pretty much bomb, <laughs> pretty much bomb toy Julia. <laughs> She's gonna start saying it. I can't wait. Wait after backpack, it's gonna be pretty much. Pretty, pretty much, <laughs> basically. You would just have to record her. Six on a and loop. a half. <laughs> Remember Dave Taylor used to call him the king of the six? No. And he got so mad. And one night, Dave was like, oh, look, it's the king of the sixes. And he was like, what? He was like, the king of the sixes, you know, because you clean up all the sixes around here. Oh, my Dude, God. six and a halves. 
Six and a like half. genuinely upset. Pretty much. These girls are six and a half. So they're not sixes. <laughs> Dave, you idiot. Wasn't there a waitress on the couch once that was for sure not even in the yeah. six? Or, I mean, we wouldn't even. I mean, to that would be an insult to the number six. Oh, extra, yeah, like Julius Irving may yeah. drop down yeah. on the ground yeah. and like just start punching. Like, yeah, that, no, that, that would she's never not be a allowed. Six. Dude, that's basically a negative two. <laughs> you throw in the personality, negative twelve. I mean, she has knockers, but other than that, yeah, I'm not sure what. Yeah, he he uh he called me the other night, left me a message. Thinking of like, her? Yeah, <laughs> no, no one <laughs> is thinking of her. Uh, it was like this long rambling message about whether I would want to go to Gilroy, California, to do a a one nighter in okay. which is like I think it's south of San Francisco. He's like, it's 300 bucks. We drive up there, you know, four and a half hour drive, do the show, just drive back in the middle of the night. I'm like, no, why would I do that? But I guess people do it. I just, like, you can't motivate me to go do that for. Yeah. I, I guess if you don't get stage time anywhere, maybe. Yeah. There's a gig I'm doing Wednesday uh, in the Whistle Stop, Whistle Stop in San Diego. And I am. Uh, I think those guys hit me up. I, I, if it's, I, I was just gonna say, if it's really good, you should do it. I'll come and watch Julia, so you can leave early to drive there. Yeah, that's how I but in all honestly, it's honestly, like five hundred bucks. You should do it. It's a one night. I mean, if it's, there, people are saying it's a great room. Yeah. And I mean, I'll find out Wednesday. Right. But just for one night, that's not bad. And on a Wednesday, you yeah. know, if you left a little bit early. I would stay with her, yeah, for a while so you can go do that because that's midweek and that's people are um, hitting me up already like, hey, this is our favorite bar. We're definitely coming to see you. So I'm oh, like, nice. okay, so I, we'll yeah. see what happens. I I have terrible history with doing those shows. Like I did a show once for Mal Hall. Okay, that was great in San Diego. I drove down there, packed out room, made a couple hundred bucks, three hundred bucks, whatever. Drove back and it was fine. Every other time I've ever driven to San Diego to do a show outside of the comedy store, it's always like nine people. Uh. I did a show once for 200 bucks. Uh, Moses set me up with that. I got down there. This That's is years Brian ago. Moses. Brian Moses, yes. living legend. And <laughs> when I got down there, uh, Mervis. Okay. This was before Mervis moved to L.A. Mervis was running the show, and he had just gotten back from uh, a weekend of uh, tripping his balls out at, Every at, uh, weekend is that Coachella, I think. Positive. Um, and uh, so I get down there, and it was in a bar right next to the Padres Stadium, and it was the second Padres home game of the year. And <laughs> the bars, like one of those bars where they the whole wall opens up like a giant window because it's San Diego, and oh, they okay. want it to be like a nice outdoor vibe. Yeah. But all you could hear was the crowd at a baseball game. And there was like oh four God. to eight people, depending on the moment, in the room watching. And it was basically just an empty bar. <laughs> and Merv is all, he's got his fucking grizzly bear hood, spirit animal hood on or whatever the insane shit is. And he, uh, he was like, hey, uh, if you want to do an hour, you can do an hour. I'm like, dude, there's, there's six people right now. Two of them are comics, Gordon, uh... Uh, what's his name? I know that Gordon. I almost said Gordon Howe. 
Sorry. Gordy Howe. <laughs> um, uh, no, yeah. I don't. Gordon was there. <laughs> and uh, I want to say, uh, I can't think of the other comic's name, but there were two La Jolla Comedy Store comics oh, there. Oh, okay. And, uh, and me, and then one table with like four people that didn't want to see a comedy show that were just eating at the restaurant. And they're like, ugh, it was terrible. I gotta watch this fucking guy. I started trying to talk to him, and the guy's like, hey man, can I do some time? And I was like, what? He's like, no. I always wanted to do stand-up comedy. I'm is like, that- fuck yeah, this is your lucky night. Get up here. <laughs> uh, dude went up there and started doing his impression of uh, Chris Brown. <laughs> talking about beating Rihanna. That's, oh, it was okay. all about beating Rihanna, <laughs> and then he would break into singing Chris Brown songs, I guess. I don't honestly know if they were Chris Brown songs, but I'm a, he claimed they were. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on uh, that. And I let that go on for probably eight minutes. And then he was like, all right, I don't have anything else to say. I'm like, okay, cool. And I went wow, back that was up. amazing. Did you work on that, sir? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, this dude had that shit planned out. <laughs> That's your back pocket? It was like uh, an impressionist that had just been waiting his whole life. Like, <laughs> someday someone's going to call me up on stage. And that was his Eminem moment where he went up oh there. One, you got God. one shot. And uh, he crushed it. And, I, and then I got off stage. And Mervin's like, you can stay up longer. I'm like, Of course. <laughs> I brought up one of the three audience members to perform. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to do longer. Did you ever catch Mervis like when he's drinking and then he starts crying? Always, no, always funny. Nope. I've multiple times though had Merv tell me the story about the time a dude accidentally sucked his dick. No, no, that wasn't an accident. But yes. Yeah, the first time he's like, "I'm at this party and I got drunk and I laid down in this bed and the next thing you know, I'm getting a blowjob and I'm like, dude, it's probably one of those hot chicks from the party." <laughs> And then uh, my buddy pops out from underneath the blankets. My buddy. And, and I was like, whoa, dude, I didn't know that was you. It was fucking crazy. And I'm like. That's that's the reaction? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's an interesting story, So, so man. somebody comes out of a little bit of a, a knockout <laughs> and they see a dude. <laughs> yeah. And you don't want that? No. It but just, I see- hey, whoa. <laughs> there, hey, this, spoiler alert, you're a gentleman. Man, I'm not quite into this, but it does feel good. Yeah. D- don't stop necessarily, but. And I just thought, well, you know, I guess people do crazy things. And then one night he was drunk here and <laughs> took his dick out. Okay. And uh, one of the door guys, Mr. Ricky Luna, okay, uh, said, you take that thing out again. I'm going to suck it. And uh, about five minutes later, he took it out again, and then someone just started sucking it. And we were like, now, this time, did you think it was one of the pretty ladies from uh, Out of club? curiosity, did Ricky pop up out of the covers? <laughs> he, or he, he went and got covers, because <laughs> this was a standing blowjob at the back door of the comedy store. And did they finish? Like, I don't even know how to... I do that remember I that yeah. story. That I don't know. I just remember... Uh, I've never met anybody that tried, no pun intended, so hard to get in this club. Yeah. Yeah. Both Ricky and Mervis, but Ricky yeah. more. But before Ricky got the job, he was super annoying, Whoa. asking everyone how to get a job there. and Almost as harsh as Boone, like, let me suck your dick. Yeah. Like, but he was willing, more willing, even yeah. more willing. And then, Boone then wanted are, nothing in return. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I remember Boone once sucked Big Dog from the Ding Dong Show's dick. Sucked Big no. Dog's dick and gave Big Dog a cheeseburger for it. See, Boone pays his debts. Yeah. He gives and he Big gives. Big Dog was the rapper, right? That's correct. Oh, Never God. Again's the legend hit song, Never Again. <laughs> I remember. 
Andrew called me from, he went to pavilions or something. He goes, hey, who's this comic? And he was with Max and Dylan. They were little-ish, you know, I mean, like teenagers. teenagers. Dylan might have been not a teenager. But uh, so they were (laughs) walking in, and he was like, if you give me a dollar, I'll sing Michael Jackson. Okay. And he's like, I I work at the comedy store. And Andrew's like, really? (laughs) And at this point. You work at the store. (laughs) He was there every night. Right. So he couldn't imagine who this fucking nut was. And the guy just started doing it. He's doing Eminem. And then Andrew goes, you said Michael Jackson. He goes, you didn't give me a dollar yet. Damn. (laughs) And then he gave him a dollar. And he did like something even worse, not close to Michael Jackson. With the exception of a bizarre moonwalk at the end of right yeah uh, ne- never again was an anthem i think that the the people okay. who regularly attended the ding dong show <laughs> at least really got into bitch ass ain't got no class all these motherfuckers try to rape me in the ass right? never again never again never gonna get anally raped again it just had that catchy hook it so does like that i feel like we should get rid of jeff scott's yeah music get rid of the song and get a live, preferably live, so that way you got the audience making noise. You're going to have to do an impression of him because I don't think he's around anymore. No, there's no way he's I still don't know alive. Where. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen Big Dog in at least 12 years, probably. But he I, I saw Barton, uh, Blue Iris's son, oh, maybe shit. like a year and a half ago That's at a, a gas great station. Exciting. And, uh, hey, you got $5? I go, no, Barton. Holy shit, I can't believe you're alive. <laughs> Do you know me? <laughs> yeah, I know you, man. I met you at the comedy store. I'm Darnell. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, have you talked to my dad? Wh- uh, no, no, I haven't. If you talk to him, tell him that I got a job as a painter. I was like, I don't know why I would talk to your dad. But Who was your dad? I, like, I don't did know. Did he ever hang here? I know Blue Iris hung here. I, Yeah, I don't know whether th- that guy... Who was missing all the teeth that hung out with Blue Iris <gasps> was his dad, or maybe that was just, just gave the guy. Me a flashback that made my yeah. stomach do a loop. Like crazy. Hey, like hey, Don, listen, Don Barris, you're an asshole. <laughs> I don't remember what his name was. I just remember every time he talked, PJ would be like, "Hey, would you eat a rock sandwich? What happened to your teeth?" And then he put for, Blue for, Iris for, in the all, bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> first of all, PJ, you're a scumbag. <laughs> well, now this is firefighting Stop fire. Stop that! Don't say that. <laughs> hey. Hey. That's Blue Iris. That's how she talks. Hey, I happen to like PJ. I think PJ is a charming individual. <laughs> Barton, man, that dude is fucking creepy. I remember I saw him once in front of the newsstand down the block from the mm-hmm. comedy store here. This is when I had uh, a mustache. Okay. And uh, I was walking by. More professional with, looking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was walking by with uh, Mark, and um, he looks at us and he goes, Hey, do you have $20? I go, no, Barton, I don't have $20. Oh, hey, I know you, don't I? I go, yeah, yeah. You didn't have the mustache before. It looks good on you because your face is stupid. I was like, okay. All right, sounds good. And then he immediately <laughs> picked up a payphone and started acting like he was answering a phone call that clearly never happened. <laughs> and Mark was like, who the fuck's that guy? I'm like, he's one of Don Barris's guys. He's like, oh, okay. That yeah. makes For sense. a number of years, they all were here. Yeah. All just running around rampant like people are like Dead years, Why is man. the comedy store so crazy? Yeah. Yeah. I I had a friend who uh he drank but he never never smoked or did it like drugs of any sort. And I worked with him at Islands in Manhattan Beach. So one night 
some of the people I worked with, like, we're going to come up to the comedy store. So they came on a Monday because that's when I performed. I was an employee at that point. Right. And uh, after my set, we went and smoked some pot. And this guy smoked pot for like the first time in like five years or something. And he had taken Adderall or Ritalin or something okay. also. And uh, you could just tell he was kind of fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. to where he, like he, he was barely hanging on. And then uh, someone, Don, was like, hey, you going to come up uh, to the Ding Dong show? And I was like, yeah, sure. And they were like, what's that? I'm like, it's this show that guy runs and some uh, some interesting characters in there. Okay. Like, oh, yeah, well, let, let's go watch it. I'm like, all right. So I took him up there, and the one dude who was uh, on Adderall and weed uh, just genuinely started looking truly concerned. Terrified, yeah. I'm like, are you all right? And he's like, I think I need to go. I'm like, all right. And so uh, I walked him downstairs, and they left. And uh, the next day, a couple days later, I think, I went into work, and they were like, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's moving back home. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, he just said he, he's had enough of L.A. He's moving back home. The dude, dude had lived here for like seven years. <laughs> but one night of partying at the comedy store and watching the Ding Dong show, and he was just like, I got to get out of this town, man. <laughs> He had, he was not involved in entertainment in any way. It was just like Jesus. A, I was in the Ding Dong show and I didn't leave. That's sad. Yeah, uh, That's I was scary. too. <laughs> I got attacked by Sam the Armenian comedian one night. <laughs> tried to pull my hair out of my head while yelling the N word well, at me. He's a hairdresser. Yeah, <laughs> he was working on it. Uh, me and O'Neill kept spitting spit wads at him <laughs> from right behind him, and uh, Don kept. Get, Darnell, what's going on? I go, well, you know, you know, this Armenian dog keeps barking <laughs> over here. And he got real mad. He charged up there, started pulling on my hair, just screaming the N-word. Oh, and, my God. And Don is what? laughing and trying he to pull him off. He see you? Or, he, I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, no. But Don just always introduced me as. Darnell. This, this, okay. Yeah, this is Darnell. He's the blackest motherfucker in the world. <laughs> and uh, and so Don's trying to pull his arm off of my ha- off my hair. And just dying laughing because he just keeps dropping in bombs. Yeah. And Don's just like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I'm like, what a fucking lunatic. He is certified. Soon, he. I mean, you used to think Don had control. Yeah. Now I think he's one of them. Yeah. He's just as crazy as they he's are. Just, he's not the shepherd anymore. He's just the lead sheep. Yeah. He just has the car. Yeah, and then it's like, have you ever seen the clown car empty? No, with all the. I mean, not in recent years. In I remember back in the day, you pull in and like five of them would get off and get the shit out of the trunk. <laughs> they'd all have to carry uh, every time stage decorations up. Every giant time, picture of Ari. Oh yeah, for no reason. Every time Schizo gets out of the car lately, he's missing his shirt. Always. I, I don't understand what's Schizo happening. and Jason Galern both cannot ride in cars with a shirt on. Jason uh, just for years, he would always pull into the lot in his van or his truck, and he'd not have a shirt on. Like, Ingram, what's up, man? You cruising? <laughs> Obviously, you are. No shirt. I just always love that. One of the greatest schizo things happened uh, two weeks ago now. On a Monday night, we're here hanging out. I think I was telling you, Miranda's easy a little bit about it, but yeah. technically, um, we were, it was Monday night. It was one thirty. There was two people in the original room. Oh, right, right. And Ryan O'Neill, myself, and Nick Youssef were kind of the comics left. Right. And 
uh, Yusef was like, oh, I'm not going in front of two people. And he buttoned his sweater and left. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds right. I mean, he was like, oh, I'm way classier. Yeah. And I'm like, boo. So he left. So O'Neill's like, should I go on? I'm like, of course you should. Yeah. And Don Barris had brought me up to apologize to me for all the Me Too things he's done to me. Sure. And then told me how funny I was and prayed that I wouldn't press charges. Nice. So then we brought, there was like an audience member that was like, yeah, man, finally, man, these bitches are out of control. <laughs> so O'Neill's in the back and he's like, oh, I definitely want to go up and I need to talk to that guy. Yeah. Right? So he's like, man, it's just b bullshit. These bitches are going crazy. Right? <laughs> so Don Obviously, they're the problem. <laughs> immediately brings up O'Neal. And O'Neal's like, hey, man, so let's talk. Yeah, what's, what's with he, you? He immediately sir? starts fucking with this guy. There's two audience members. So the one guy is, you know, I'm just saying, man. You know, uh, it's refreshing to hear that girl, you know, not want to press charges because this is bullshit, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I was like, I don't, I don't know if I helped or hurt us, and I yeah. apologize to everyone yeah. out there. I mean, I think everyone in the room was experiencing <laughs> a Me Too moment with this guy. Exactly. But there was only like, that was it in the room. Those yeah. two, Don Barris, myself, and O'Neill. So then now all the ding-dongers come in. And at this point, we're, I decide to t make them more comfortable to tell stories. So I'm going to tell a story about something fucked up I did to my ex-fiance that maybe he could press charges for, okay. right? So then O'Neill talks about his fiance raping him. Weird sort of event. Sure. So 90% of this shit we're making up, but for the most part, we're just trying to get the audience. So then Ryan goes, it's your turn. And when he said your turn to the guy, Dave Chappelle walked in and he goes, what's going on in here? And I go, well, we're trying to get these audience members to open up. And I think he thought I said, we're trying to get Ryan to open up. Okay. So he came and he sat down and Ryan started doing a bit, like kind of along the lines of what we were talking about, just to kind of pull this guy to yeah. get him to talk. Because I think he realized we were setting him up. Right. And he started clamming up. So Chappelle's watching and Ryan's like, you know, like that. And he started to like pass it back to the audience member. And Dave's like, no, man, keep talking about that. Really open up about that. And he goes, come on, man. Brian, you got to open up. And we're all like, who the fuck is Brian? Right? Because <laughs> yeah. he, he heard us say Ryan, Ryan yeah. but it, he heard Dave it was yeah. late. It was it yeah. one forty-five. Right. He was a little bit drunk. And so he starts fucking with he, him and Ryan go back and forth. They sit. I think it started out something like, who do you want to hang out with, this guy or this guy, the audience members? And then Chappelle was like, can I throw my hat in the ring and be one of the guys he hangs out with? And O'Neill was like, yeah, let's get Chappelle in the ring. And Barris is like, no, Chappelle came in too late. He missed it. He missed the entry. <laughs> and Brian's like, why? I don't even care if he calls me Brian. Let's fucking yeah. hang out. And Chappelle's like, put my name in the ring. I have millions of dollars. And I want to be in the ring. And Don's like, okay, fine. You're in the ring. And uh, all of a sudden, Ryan started talking about, like, he didn't like to shower in high school because he had a weird-looking penis. And Dave's like, okay, I immediately can't relate to that because I have a big, giant dick, <laughs> but I really want to hang out with you. Right? <laughs> okay. So it's so silly. Yeah. And it goes on. And then for a long time. He made him run the light. They kept flashing it. He's like, fuck them. They ain't got control over you. You own the stage. Stay up there, motherfucker. And Ryan's like, I, the whole time he's thinking, I'm going to get fired. I'm yeah. never well, letting, they're never going to let me. The manager's flashing the light now. Chappelle's like, knock it off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so the, we realized after, like, Chappelle left. We all laughed. It was a big goof. It was great. Ryan was like, highlight of my year. Yeah. All excited, right? We're out in the parking lot and we're like, 
man, the only people that witnessed this were me, Tom Ferris, and the Ding Dong. Yeah. <laughs> so he had Schizo recap it. And Schizo. <laughs> I was like, wait, what, what, weren't we talking about Schizo? In the slowest form I've ever heard. Don Barris puts the light on him. He's filming him. He's like, Schizo, what did you see tonight? He goes, Ryan O'Neill was on stage. Dave Chappelle walked in. What happened? He goes, Ryan was on stage. <laughs> Dave Chappelle came in. Basically repeated what Don said. And he goes, and then he offered him millions of dollars. And he said he wants to hang out with him. And he has a big penis. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> my God. We just got a Me Too story yeah. for Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> like, Brian was like, that's that's pretty much exactly Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I mean, a solid recap for, for someone known as the schizophrenic surfer. Well, we're going to put it out there. So look forward to yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. O'Neill also said we have to start telling our listeners that they have to subscribe and they have to rate us. And I said, just tell them to rate us anyway. And he said, ask for five stars only. Five stars only. If Guys, you're five stars only for Chappelle's subscribe. new opening act. Yeah. Because you did give him an opening That's right. gig all week while he was filming his special. Uh, Ryan O'Neill opened those shows. So if the, you see Chappelle's special and they're laughing, it's because Ryan O'Neill. You're my best friend. <laughs> And uh, so he says, give us five stars. So we, you have to give us five stars. Give us five if you think we're a one-star podcast. <laughs> Just tell us, but don't put Yeah, that. but definitely do it in person because that's the only respectful way to do it. Oh, my earrings are already off, so yeah. let's do that. And if you want to tweet at me about it, <laughs> then that's fine. And also remember... Josh Nasser will never be on this podcast. And you can tweet him. Yeah, tweet him at that. Josh Nasser that we're talking about him. It's never flattering. And, yes, uh, now he is officially banned from yep. being on... Blacklisted. Blacklisted, that's right. It's not just a show on ABC or NBC or CBS, whatever channels it on. Yeah. But it is a show 